Alrighty, going to start with a little test. <laughs> hey Paul, how many people know that God says test to see if you're in me? Test to see if you're actually in this thing called faith as opposed to just think you are but you're not really and you're going through the motions. So I thought we'd start with a little test and uh, if you have your gospel booklets I'm going to ask you to put them down or don't look at them. And by the way, actually, is there anyone here that doesn't have one of these? We handed them out last week. If you don't have one, just throw your hands up because there's some people that will put them in your hand. So if you don't have one of these, hopefully we've got enough. We may not have enough. <laughs> so if you don't get one, uh, just email rochelle at therock.org.nz and we will get one to you um, because this is highly important because we're working through the living word which is contained in this little booklet. And so just keep your hand up. Uh, maybe guys, if you let me know when we're out of them so that people can put their hands down. But last Sunday, I said there are two Gospels. There is the Gospel of... That's the purpose of the Gospel is transformation. But there was the Gospel of... Well, we're not doing passing the test, are we? Okay. There is the gospel of... No, the, the purpose of the gospel is to transform us. NQJ, there is the gospel of information. Hey, don't you like how your brothers and sisters dob you in? Hey. So there's the gospel of information or the gospel of... No, we keep saying transformation. Those who have ears. What is it, Danny? Thank you, Lord. Oh, my goodness me. Read. Oh, yes, you're right. This is code. I told you it was a test. <laughs> so, which one, the question was asked, are you living from? And you wouldn't just want to ignore that question, would you? Because one produces life and one doesn't. So it is pointless being in the gospel of information. As good as the information may be, the information doesn't produce spiritual life. It produces life, but it's a false life. It's a counterfeit life. So it has you believing you have something when you don't. That's where the deception is. Should I say that again? It leaves you thinking you have something that you actually don't. And that's the challenge because you actually have life, but it's actually dead. It's good, but it's not life. Only the gospel of revelation transformation produces life. So I wouldn't just go through this process and this booklet without stopping in page one and actually taking note and asking the Holy Spirit, which one do I actually have a reference for? Like, do I have a reference for the person or just the principle? Like, do I have a reference for godliness or just forms of godliness? Do I have a reference for the messenger 
or just the message? Am I and am I coming into Christ or am I just in Christianity? In other words, am I in godliness or forms of godliness? Because only one produces life. And I'm talking about an eternal life, not a better earthly life. And this is the difference between the word and us needing to hear the word and things that relate to having a good life, which aren't wrong, but it's not the word. Do you know what I mean by that? So I could come up here and I could teach about financial well-being, and I could give you five principles of financial well-being. That's not the word of God. That's just me teaching you about financial well-being. Or I could come up here and I could teach the word of heaven, which performs a work in you that you need to have ears to hear. Otherwise, you'll completely misunderstand it because I'm not talking in English. I'm talking in spirit. And Bronnie and I were just having a conversation about that, saying we use the English language to communicate a spiritual language. And so it's not about hearing and understanding what I'm saying in the English. It's about hearing what I'm saying in the Spirit. That's why they miss Jesus all the time, because they weren't of the Spirit. So when Jesus said, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisee, he wasn't talking about bread, was he? But they thought he was, didn't they? Why? Because they're hearing him in Hebrew or Aramaic. So they're going, he's talking about leaven, he's talking about bread. Because they're hearing him in their natural language and the language Jesus was speaking. But he wasn't speaking that language, he was speaking spirit. He said, my words are spirit and life. The flesh will profit you nothing. So if you try to understand what I'm saying today in your flesh, it will profit you nothing. You may, through your mind, acquire information about what I've said at best, but you will not have revelation, which is what you need to transform you, to have you living a Christ-like life. This is the difference between the true gospel and man's gospel. Man's gospel preaches you principles, how-tos. God's gospel just preaches you him. One thing, him. And if you know him, you live. If you don't know him, you're trying to live. You're trying to live out the principle and the how-to. Give me the how-to so I can apply the how-tos, correct? How are you getting on with that? <laughs> Picture just said not great. That's, all, that's awesome, honesty, eh? You get him, then you know how to live. Because in him, he is the how-to as well. See how it's a position of one. So only one gospel brings you into the reality of Christ. The other gospel has you grasping for stuff, trying to apply stuff that you can't, and leaving you fairly empty, frustrated, and disillusioned. Am I not telling the truth? All right. So you would be doing well to ask yourself, 
what gospel am I actually in? Because wouldn't it be futile insanity to keep trying doing the same thing and getting the same result and then calling everyone else the nutter? Uh, You might want to put the mirror up because that's what insanity is, trying to do the same thing over and over, thinking you're going to get another result. It's pointless. And so there must be a seizing, there must be an arresting, there must be an apprehending, there must be a stop. You're going the wrong way because you don't have the life of your way. But you can have a life of another way if you're prepared to stop, take account and ask questions that many of us don't really want to ask because it's going to get in the way of the life we're living. I'm telling the truth, eh, Sarah? (laughs) The truth makes you free. And as we heard from Sam, the truth is not a principle but a person who spoke a reality, didn't he? So don't just come along week in, week out and hear the stuff and just whatever. Like hearing it, Allow it, apprehend, allow it to do a work, and then send you in a completely different way. So you can actually start living in a born-again, resurrected, power-filled life, which enables you to actually live like Christ lived. That is the entire point of the gospel. If it's not that, it ain't The gospel. I don't know what it is. It's man's version of God. Painted up and it's demonic. Come with me to Psalm 51. This isn't in the notes, sorry. Sorry, Rob. (laughs) Psalm 51, 16. Who wrote Psalm 51, 16, church? King David. King David wasn't necessarily a morally correct man at one point in his life, was he? But God still believed in him, correct? God still used him, correct? Even though he fell from a high platform, correct? But the man learnt something through falling. Have you learnt something through falling? He said this in 16, he said, For you, God, do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. Hmm. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do you know that's the beginning part of life in Christ, where you come to the reality of realizing God's not interested in all your service? Now, the context obviously here is offering animals because they would sacrifice the animal for the sin offering. But who's the sin offering? Right. So Jesus died that God would have your entire heart, life. 
So before you've given him your entire heart, he's not really interested in the things you do for him. Because he doesn't have your heart. And that's what he's after. So if he doesn't have your heart, you have it. Or someone else does. But he doesn't. So he's saying this to David because David figured this out because David was a mighty worshiper and a warrior who had done much for God, correct? But David comes to a place through his own falling that actually God didn't want that first. It's fascinating. It goes on that says, after you've given me this, then I do desire it, but not before it. But I think many people would rather do things for God than give them their entire heart. Because if you give them your entire heart, you don't have it. Which means you're no longer living for you because the heart is the operating system of man. And so you actually give it to him, which means you're not giving it to you or others, which requires an absolute yielding and a surrendering and a falling upon the cornerstone and being broken into pieces. So actually you now have a contrite heart. Because you and I did not start with a contrite heart. We start with a very proud, filled heart. This is the purpose of the gospel, is to bring you to this place. So we haven't been brought to this place. The gospel has not yet gone to work on your heart. You're still avoiding the gospel. And that's what we do, because we buy into a counterfeit gospel, which is another gospel which we beautifully accept because there's no real dying in it. There's a little bit of cost, there's a little bit of serving, there's a little bit of giving, but it's not giving my life. You see, I only lose myself for my own sake, not his sake, as it says. And you don't intentionally lose anything, do you? How many people have lost their car keys here before? Did you intentionally lose your car keys? But you have to lose your life. You're not going to intentionally lose you, are you? So you need something greater to come and trump you, don't you? It's called the gospel. Have you been trumped by the gospel of power yet? Or just hanging out with the principles, the how-tos, all the forms, all the forms of godliness, the serving, the doing, but still not actually being raised up from a dead state to a living state, living in a brand new reality with Christ. The disciples actually had to go backwards before they could go forwards, correct? They'd been walking three and a half years without the reality of the gospel, correct? So then they actually had to go backwards, but it was actually going forwards. And the flesh goes, going backwards, what a waste of time. No, it's actually going forwards, which is life. Because until we start in the right place, we're out of alignment, So if this is not our starting place, we actually haven't yet started. We're trying to add stuff on, but the core hasn't been dealt with. Because I'm not yet contrite in heart. I'm not yet being brought to a poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom, which unlocks all the other aspects of the kingdom. So if I don't, and I'm not poor in spirit, do you know what I'm not? I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's very hard to be a peacemaker. I will keep peace, but I will not go to the battle in the fire and try to make peace. I'll be a PC Christian. I don't want to rock the boat. 
So you believe what you believe, you believe what you believe, and you believe what you believe, and we'll all have unity. No, you've just created conformity with the demonic. Well done. This happens all the time. That's how you get all the different denominations and belief systems in the body of Christ. I'll give you an example. Jesus Christ is returning, is he not? Is he coming back three times? Why does the church believe then he's coming back three times? <laughs> what? Well, some people believe in a mid, a mid rapture, a pre and a post, correct? So some people go, we're getting out of here before the tribulation happens. Right, correct? Some people believe we're not, we're going halfway through it. And other people believe we're going after it. Well, there's three different positions, three truths. So is Jesus coming back three times? Well, we believe he is. You might not, but the church has said there is a pre, there is a post, because we are not one. Because we're peacekeepers, not peacemakers. So we stand on this thing, what we call truth, which is our version of it, and then we preach a reality, but he ain't coming back three times. But that's what we teach everybody, because I believe in the camp that's pre. I believe in the post. Well, I believe in the mid. I just believe in him. It's a much better way. And I wait for him to reveal it. So that's not the gospel, is it? But these things exist in the body of Christ, doesn't it? See how far wacky we've got? Because we're all about this. And you ain't about this. Because the only guy that brings you into this is him. But you can bring yourself into that. But you've got nothing. You can talk a good talk. You can quote a good scriptures. But you just can't live. And Jesus isn't interested in people who talk good talks and can't live out what they say. He calls them Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. He's pretty strong in his opinion of those people. They do this. Instead of holding up a mirror. David knew this stuff. And he committed murder and adultery. And he said, man, I've learned the test. I've tested to see if I'm in this stuff. And the test found me out. But then you, Father, brought me into so now I'm in a reality I wasn't in before, and now I'm living differently through my mistake, through my falling. So come with me to Romans 6, 3 to 6. Romans 6, 3 to 6. Powerful passage, man. Who wrote Romans? Funny that, eh? <laughs> that's why we're going to look at Paul. Paul, wrote, Paul writes pretty much so much after the Gospels. And we tend to want to hang out in the Gospels because it's where all the action happens. And I love the Gospels and I love action in Christ. But Paul writes of an eternal reality, not just sort of this healing the sick, casting out demons stuff. I'm into that. It's awesome. But it's not the priority. Because the Bible clearly tells you it's not the priority. Like it says, 
those things you can't take with you when you go, you want to be taking love. So you can move mountains, cast out demons, prophesy to the cows come home, but if you don't know love, you're just a wasted gong. So we have to grapple again with that reality because we tend to like the prophesying, the casting out the demons, the action-packed gospel stuff. And then when Paul turns up with the letters, we go, ooh, he's actually talking about maturity in Christ. He actually speaks some extremely confronting things. And if he walked through the door, what would he say? And how many of us would actually crucify him because we don't like what he says? Because he confronts the reality of my life because I may not have lost me and I'm still trying to hang on to me. And what he says brings me to that place again of having to actually be killed. I love him. But you don't tend to love him until you're dead. (laughs) You tend to get very, I don't like him. So I rip pages out or I blank them out or I ignore them. And I go back to the casting out demons and prophesying and all that stuff because I can do that stuff in him. So he says this in Romans 6 verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his? He died, did he not? Right. He died for three days, went into the ground, but he was physically killed, wasn't he? So he was dead but alive, but he physically died, went into the grave, preached the gospel to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all those guys that were in there needing to hear to receive the Christ because bulls and goats didn't cut it, did it? So they needed to receive the Savior, even though they saw of the Savior and were considered righteous through their faith. So he dies. This tells me I've been baptized into Christ, into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Now, you can go through the ritual of baptism, correct? And still be living, correct? You can go into the water, be baptized, and still find yourself the control system of your own life. Fair call? So baptism into death has to be more powerful than just getting dunked in the water or the sea. The true baptism is what? Spirit, where the Spirit comes in and invades your innermost being and sets up his home where you were home. Through power, through resurrected power, which we're going to look at. Therefore, we have been buried with him to death. Why? So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, through the glory of Greg, no. Through the glory of my ability, no. Through the ability of my flesh and everything and my gifting, no. Through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. What's this newness of life? But you have a reference for your old life. I do. Sucked, stinked, thought it was cool. 
till it all comes crashing down and you realize it was futile, empty, dead in sin and iniquity and wasn't producing life. And the Bible says, what glory did you find in that life now that you're actually not ashamed of the things that you've actually done? Anybody? Three of us? (laughs) And Shirley? We're looking for a club? (laughs) And then you receive the gospel, eh, Mel? And you're no longer ashamed. Why? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my old life. Why? Because the gospel comes and heals your past. Makes you free of your past. Doesn't bring up your past again, ever. You might. He never does. But is that your reality? See, it's got to become your reality, not just something we say yes to, and then all of a sudden I'm telling myself what I'm not. Because I'm telling myself what I'm not. The gospel's not working. Because the gospel does what the gospel does. It makes the captive free. It changes the mind. It alters humanity into being eternal, no longer saying and living as we used to live. That's the gospel. Anything outside of that, it ain't the gospel. Like it does what it does. He is who he is. And all things have come through him, for him, and in him to release the church, to become the church. Less than that, I don't know what it is. It's man's version, painted up as God. Newness of life, man. (laughs) For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his death. The key word is likeness, kind of. Is he not creating first fruits? A people who are of his kind, a people who are of his likeness. Because Adam created Seth out of his. Fill in the blanks. Which was what? Eternal or earthly? Right, sinner. Destined to darkness. You and I, same, of that kind. So what takes me from being of Adam to being of Christ? It ain't that. It ain't my ability to try and understand this through the mind. Now, does you know where you've got to be rescued out of darkness and into the likeness of Christ light. So then I can actually start living in the newness of life. Because the life I was in was dead, painted up as life. Are you hearing me? We're very quiet. This is the gospel. It's outside of your ability. You don't clean yourself up. You don't modify yourself. You don't tweak you. It's not like, you know, I'm quite good, but I don't get it. There's just a couple of alterations I need on the side. That is not it. You are completely and utterly helpless, destitute, destined for darkness with no way of getting yourself out of that. That's why Colossians 1.13 says he has to rescue you out of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of his son through this thing called grace, 
which please, if I hear graces are covering again, I'm going to slap you. (laughs) It's going to be a love slap. Boom. Grace is power, please. Saved by grace does not mean you are saved by a covering. Love covers. Grace empowers. It says, don't come short of the grace, the covering. No, the power. Why? So when the offense comes, the grace stands up, the power, and what's coming doesn't take you out. You've just got a covering on, it's going to take you out. So you're saved by power, saved by what you couldn't do. You couldn't get yourself out of darkness. You are trapped, bound, wrapped like that. Okay? And then grace comes, power comes, and elevates you on the inside, out of this state, into life. And all of a sudden, you're now in the newness of life. Like, what's this? I don't know, but it's good. And then he says this, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus, you consider all this stuff rubbish. Paul is saying, circumcised on the eighth day, rubbish. Being of the tribe of Benjamin, rubbish. A Hebrew of Hebrew, rubbish. Okay, now let's put that into our context. Growing up, fifth, sixth generation of a pastor's kid. Rubbish if it's not through revelation. It means nothing. My children can have me as their father and it means nothing to them if they don't enter into this. The thing that I can't give them. I can preach that, but I can't give them him. So it doesn't matter unless unless it's built on him and this. Hear me. I'm not saying it's bad. It actually can be because it can produce religious little zealots. Can't it? Who do this? Because it's all based on behavior. Legalistic little zealots who think God loves on behavior, not because he's God. Who always want to address the sin first, correct? Hey, lady, five husbands, let me smash you with truth. Do I need to mention the sixth one and smash you with that? No, he doesn't go there. What does he say? Do you want to get free? Do you want some living water? Why? Because he's died for that. Why, why does he address something he's already died for? But we do. He's a bunch of sinners. And then we list it all. And we placard against them. We wonder why they don't like us. Because all we've got is this. And we don't have love. And yet apparently that's the first. Not healing sick, casting out demons, reaching lost people, writing books, making CDs, music. Apparently loving him is the first. And then loving people comes very close. So I don't think we should go anywhere until we got that sorted out. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he tells you. It's 
Challenging, eh? But on the other side of Christ, Christ crucified is this newness of life. Through the cross. Not sit and moping at the cross. Here I am again, God. Woe is me. We've got to get past ourselves, man. But you can't get past yourself unless you get revelation. Because you don't even know what's on the other side of that cross without revelation. And so then what you do is you give yourself some slack and you go, man, I can't. Like, I just surrender. I give up. <laughs> give this thing up. He's going, yay, the greatest day of heaven has arrived, angels. They figured it out. They can't. Even though a lot of them say and preach they can, some of them are figuring out they actually can't. And now they're becoming contrite in heart and they're turning towards us. And I'm ready to activate my spirit who's sitting there waiting, hovering, waiting for the activation in the heart and the word all to align. And then bang, new life. And it's the start of what it is to be in the person. Because you've received the person who makes the gospel come alive. Like it's alive. If you're bored, man, you don't know the gospel. If you're bored, you don't know him. He ain't boring. He heals the blind. He casts out demons. He raises the dead. He changes hearts. He created everything. He ain't boring. We might be. He ain't. (laughs) And grace is not a covering, please. (laughs) It's a power. (laughs) And it brings you into life in Christ. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. He doesn't just come to save us from the nature of sin. He saves us from the power of sin. But it's his power that saves you from the power of sin. It's not through your ability to understand these things in your mind. Paul had no idea of what he's writing here until he experiences the reality of it. Correct? Because he said I was advancing in what? Judaism, my former manner of life. I had zeal, man, but not in accordance to... Of him. So you can have as much zeal as you like, but if it's not partnered with true knowledge, it'll get you in trouble. Because you'll run around doing a whole lot of stuff, but it's not connected to the knowledge, the knowing, which is what you need, of the substance of the person, so nothing happens apart from you exerting a whole lot of energy. And the problem is, if you have any sort of leadership on you and you influence people, you bring them into that reality with you. So you've just been a false teacher. But you don't realize you do that because the intention of your heart's not that, but that doesn't matter. You've just done it because you've got all this zeal. But it's not in accordance with something, and that was Saul and the Israelites. 
He says, in accordance to my former manner of Judaism, I was growing, advancing beyond my counterparts. And then I ran into love and I considered it all rubbish. You see, you have to have a reference for this new born again life to consider the old rubbish. Because he was seeking value, life, fame, fortune, his living in being a rabbi, in being a Pharisee of Pharisees. His identity was in that. Everything about Saul was wrapped up in being a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrew, of the tribe of Benjamin. Man, I am the man. And all of a sudden, bingo, whack, what's that? My name's Jesus. And now through the knowing of Jesus, you consider all that rubbish? in comparison to what I've just received. Can you see how God's always positive first? It's never, tidy yourself up, Greg, then I give you my revelation of my son. It's like, come as your broken mess, and I'm going to restore you from ashes to beauty. But we're trying to get right, going, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. I've got to get myself right before I can come to you. I've got to make myself perfect and spotless before I get there. No, you're going the wrong way. He's covered you and says, come as you are, because I want to take you from there and elevate you to a place where I live from. It's going to go back to one scripture. Let me find it for a minute. Have a little chat amongst yourself while I'm doing this. Thanks, bro. It's just life, eh? It's him. Of course, go while I'm finding my stuff. See, God, this is what happens when people hear and their spirits come alive and all of a sudden the the likeness, the same kind, it's because it's Him. So He brings you into His own kind and then there's an agreement. Like it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? 
It says there's a kind, and we've just said this, oh, we're all in Christ, we're all of the same kind, because that's PC. Now, technically, it's true, but Paul then goes on and takes that way beyond. He goes, I want you to be of the same mind, one love, same spirit, intent on one purpose. See, the Spirit's a deposit which is going to bring us into an inheritance, but too many just stay in the deposit and have no idea of what the inheritance of, in Christ is. And so we actually have two people or two people groups in a room, not one people group coming into the reality. And this is what happens. And so as we start hearing and contending and going after what's spoken and know what it is to wait wholly on the Lord, because there's a holy waiting and we are not good at it. Like we're in a culture that it comes within 10 seconds or I'm out of here. I'm getting upset because, you know, the McDonald's girl, she hasn't got my order and it's been a minute. And apparently they give you free fries if it's shorter than a minute. This is the world we live in. That is so opposite to God. He says, what are you prepared to do? How long are you prepared to wait? Doesn't it say those who wait on the Lord receive their strength? Didn't he say go to that upper room and wait? Well, how long? How long you got? I've got all the time in the world because I've created time. How long you got? It's not how long I've got, how long, it's how long have you got? And then are you prepared? Something's got to rise on the inside of your spirit, your gut, that wants him more than you want life itself. I love this. Thanks, Sarah. That's awesome. And that's the body coming together to bring another part of a piece that confirms what's being declared, which we're all to bring and carry because we're all eating throughout the week. We're not waiting for Sunday for someone else to feed us. We're actually eating because he's feeding us during the week. So by the time we get here, we are full and overflowing, ready to give, not get. We're ready to add, not take away. We're ready to multiply what's being said. So all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. And now there's 10 million pizzas in the room because everybody bought their piece of pizza. You might like chicken, you might like meat lovers, you might like veggie, whatever, I don't know. But you've brought your peace called the Word of God. It may just be for the person beside you. It may not be for that, it may be for what, but do you have a peace? Did you bring a peace? Or is everybody feasting on my peace that I brought? One peace don't go around a lot, does it? Well, it is when it's him. But what would it look like if everyone bought a piece every week? Maybe a couple of pieces. Maybe a whole pizza. Be off the chart, wouldn't it? Because God's drawn to his presence, isn't he? So when he sees the presence in his people, he draws near. What would our gathering look like then? Listen to this. This is Christ. This is God through Isaiah. For thus says the high and exalted one, this is Isaiah 57, 15, who lives forever, whose name is holy. Okay, so listen, this is God. I dwell on a high and holy place. And also with the contrite and lowly, lowly, lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. 
Like, I'm God. I dwell here and here. Do you know you and I can dwell here and here when we're in God? Which means you're there and you're here. All at the same time. You're in the fullness of life in Christ because it's in Him. Receiving, eating, seeing, hearing. This don't get any better. And at the same time, you're with people who are struggling. And what you have here, you come here and you speak and you serve and you lift up. The brokenhearted, those that are struggling. So you're in two places at once in the Spirit, which is in Him. Do you know that's what it means when it says we're in heavenly places? Do you know that scripture in Ephesians 2? Like, I'm in a heavenly place right now, but I'm not in heaven, am I? So where is the heavenly place? In Him. So if I'm not in Him, then I'm not in heavenly places. I just tell myself I am. So I say, okay, if you're in the heavenly place, talk to me about it. Share with me everything you're seeing in the heavenly place if you're in this reality, rather than just quoting Paul's reality but not being in Paul's reality. That, that's a fatal mistake we make all the time. We quote Paul, but we don't live as Paul because we're not in what Paul was in, but we quote it to make ourselves feel good because we're threatened by not being in it. So we have to come up with this other language that says, oh, I'm in this, I'm in this, and I get this, and I get but our lives don't reflect it, so then we're not. And that's okay, but to live like I just said not, because you're actually deceiving yourself by your own words, which it says, do not deceive yourselves by empty words. So we are only in what we're in, and what we say must be what we're in, otherwise we're hypocritical. And you have to be able to sit there knowing you're loved and looking at the fullness of that in Christ going, that's okay. You've got to be content in that place to be able to stand and look at Jesus and the radiance of his love and his light and his life bursting forth out of him and knowing you're a son going, I'm all good here, man, in this place right now. And there is no shame, no condemnation, no guilt. And I, he knows where I'm at. He's my father. He loves me. He's not saying, Simna, you're not there yet. He's going, welcome, son. But there's more I want to bring. You're not running away. You're running too. Because you found love. So if you run away, instead of running too, what is that saying? Because your life is the evidence of the God you know or don't know. And we've got to let that just hit the mark. Do you know we're called to be part of the Commonwealth of Israel? What? Do you believe me? Do you believe me that we are to be covenant people of promise? That God is making the two become one? You're not sure? That would be something you'd want to go get revelation on because that's pretty much the entire point of the gospel. That God is taking two people and making them to his bride. And they are of the same kind. What are you saying? That I'm an Israelite by spirit? Yeah. Are you saying I'm a Jew by spirit? Yeah. 
then all those promises that were for the Israelite people are for me. Yeah. Oh, what are we now talking about? So we're sort of just going beyond just, I just don't want to go to hell, aren't we? Because now we're starting to grapple with the reality of the eternal purpose of God for His church, which is now. So to sit in the mire and the mud and just to feel sorry for myself all the time would be to rob me of this eternal predestined reality for me through the gospel of revelation, which is through the Son. That would be a crying shame to get to the end of your life and realize your groveling was really pointless and self-abasement thinking it was painted up as worship to God. When it was futile, vain imagination, because you'd never heard or were interested in more than just getting a ticket. Even that can be in question, guys. Read the living scriptures. So the gospel brings you to the high place and it takes you to the low place. And you stay in both. The apostolic call on this church is an eternal one. It's taking us out of earth and into the eternal, which is Jesus' kingdom, which he brought with him and said, my kingdom is at hand. See, if we don't realize the kingdom of God is right in front of us here, but in the spiritual dimension, we're waiting for something that's already arrived. So then we won't have any idea about any of the parables of the kingdom. You won't have a clue about the parable of the virgins. You won't have a clue about the parable of the talents. You won't have any idea about the parable of the seed and the sower, which the scriptures say, if you don't grasp that, you don't know anything. All you are is justified by blood, full stop. Now, as good as that is, because I'd rather be that than being lost, destitute to hell, but in comparison to what I've been invited into, it's nothing. And can you see what we do as the church? We take the macro message and we make it, is that right? The micro and we make it the macro. And then what we do is we take the macro and we make it the micro. So we're in the crumb. And we can have the whole bread. Because there's enough bread to go around. But we fight under the crumb, under the table. Not much of a piece there, is there? And yet the woman who said, but Lord, even the dogs feed from their master's table, knew she was an Israelite in spirit. Because she had great. And faith is connected to what? Sight, but it's connected to the promises of who? Abraham, Christ. So she was of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, who was of the seed of Christ. But she's this Seraphonician woman who's apparently a sinner, possibly a prostitute and a Gentile. And Christ looks and says, Lady, I know you know who I am. I know you know you can access stuff in me. You have great faith, but you call yourself a dog because that's what they've called you in the natural. But in the spirit, you're a son. You're a saint. I see that. I know who you are. I know you know who I am. And by that, you're blessed. Check that out, man. (laughs) That lady was one powerhouse in the spirit, but in the natural, get out of here, woman. 
You're a woman. What are you doing talking to a man? Everything was set up against her, but she knew the gospel. She didn't have this. She had that because you can't have faith without revelation. So if you don't have revelation, you don't have faith, guys. It's blind, wishy-washy stuff that we profess. Faith is of a kind, it's of the Spirit, and it knows what's in the Spirit. And as we go from faith to faith, Romans 1, 16, 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because by in the gospel, I was made righteous. And it goes by faith to faith to faith. So this faith is enlarging. What's it faith in? Christ and everything in Christ because He's the promise keeper and all the promises for the nation of Israel are found in their Messiah. And that's what you eat. And that's what you drink. Outside of that, you got nothing. It's just puffed up, vain imagination that you believe it is, but it's got no power. So this newness of life is void of you, but it doesn't need to be. Too long, out of too many pulpits, a coming man's empty words. Man's plans, man's purposes. Timothy calls them empty words. Let me read you what he calls them. It's quite offensive. O Timothy, guard what you have been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter. Empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Empty chatter. Do you know what that can be? All turn with me to John 14 verse 1 and we're going to read the Scriptures and then I'm going to give you my version of the Scriptures. That wasn't literal, sorry. And I just speak and I go through it and I tell you my idea through information, through human learning of what this is. But aren't the Scriptures concealed? Yes? Are the Scriptures spirit and life? So can I understand the Scriptures without the Holy Spirit? Right. So empty chatter. If a man or a woman is not speaking from revelation, it's empty chatter. It might be good. It might be technically correct and accurate. It's just not the Word of God. And I need the Word of God, don't we? Like the Word of God created what? Everything. Hebrews 11, where? Three. Out of nothing, God created something. That's the word that we need to hear. That's the gospel that builds creation. Who's His greatest creation? Us. Apparently us. So are you hearing the word that builds you? But God doesn't take Him from the the seen. He takes it from the unseen. Because it's all concealed. And you can't get into it without the one who unveils what's concealed called him. But man, we try and we try and we are happy with that stuff. And then we give ourselves a pat on the back. We give ourselves certificates and we say, 
I am an expert in this thing called theology. Good on you. I want to have a living testimony of Christ in me that's enabling me to live. Jesus preached testimony. John preached testimony. He testified to what he heard and he saw in the unseen realm. Because he received the gospel, the Christ, and continued to. And I'm not trying to offend you at all today. If I am, really that's between you and him. I'm trying to help you see the reality of him and what him does and what he does and continues to do in people that know him and continue to know him through purely the one way in, which is called revelation. And what this does, it brings you to a place where he arrests you. And if you're not ready for that, we don't tend to like that because you realize you're starting to get squeezed and your ways and your thoughts and your other bits are starting to be shone upon by light. But it is for the purpose of life. Because outside of that, there is no life. We are living a deceived life, not realizing we're not in Him, but we think we are. And only He can show you this. But you can ask because your life will be telling you the one you know. That's why it's so simple. But that tends to offend because we like to tell people what we know rather than live what we know because we don't know. So we can't live. So let me tell you what I know because I feel good about that and I might feel stink about that. And the reality is you go, in Christ, I just know I'm loved. I've never, ever felt shame for my sin. For the day Jesus Christ came and healed me, never felt shame. Plenty of conviction. I've not spent one second beating myself up for the stuff that I still struggle with in my life. Because I know him and I know I'm set free of it. Not because of me, because of him. How is that possible, Greg? Because of the gospel you receive. Is there no condemnation in Jesus Christ? Or is it this condemnation on a Monday and a Wednesday, but on a Sunday there's none? <laughs> like there's no guilt. Why are you feeling guilty? Because you're still judging yourself by yourself. That's a fatal mistake. Because it's not based on you. The whole thing's not based on you at all. You've got to get back to the reality that it's all work of grace and you couldn't save yourself. You can't change yourself. You can't bring life to yourself. So the way you come in really shapes the way you go forward. Too many Christians, man, they're so consumed in their past and what they're not because they actually don't know the promise because maybe we've only ever heard this. Maybe this is what's only ever been spoken from a pulpit. I don't know. I do know there's a lot of formulaic teaching out there 
10 steps to have a good marriage, 10 steps to have a good life, 10 steps to be financially successful, 10 steps to have the best kids on the planet, 10 steps to everything that's in the natural. Greg, are you saying it's wrong? No, I'm not saying it's wrong at all. It's just not the Word of God. Like, I need something that's going to change and build me. There? Heard. Thanks, Lisa. The Word of God requires the hearing, correct? But it's not listening. It's hearing. Yeah? So there's a very specific hearing that's required. There's a very specific faith, isn't there? Because faith comes through hearing. So Paul talked about a kind of faith which is written. So Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of what you hope for, the conviction of the unseen. So this is all of the same kind. So faith is that because that's what's written, because that's what was spoken out of the mouth of God. So I need a hearing because faith comes through hearing a very specific word called the word of Christ. So they are one and the same thing. So if the word of Christ is being spoken and I'm hearing it, then the ability to see in the unseen is my reality. One and one and one, that makes sense, yeah? Even the unseen? Right. So faith, the ability to see in the unseen and know everything that's concealed in God, all the things that God has prepared for those who love Him, the future now and the future in there, all wrapped up in one. Because you need that, don't you, to live a life? You live a life in faith in Jesus Christ. It's greater than trust. So that faith comes through hearing, very specific kind of hearing, because it's a kind of faith, kind of hearing, they're of the same source, which is a specific kind of word. So if that word is not revelation, then it's not the word of God. It's just information which I hear intellectually or listen to, and then I try to think I have this thing called faith, but then tell me about what's in the unseen realm, that all things have been prepared for to those who love God, because it says no ear has yet heard, no eye has not seen, and no heart has yet received all that God has prepared through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So there is no word being spoken, it's just man's empty words. And if there's no hearing, so if the word is being spoken and there's no hearing, then there's going to be no sight. And if there's no sight, you can't live because you don't know what you're living for and from, do you? Let me tell you about where I get this beautiful muffin from. Have you seen the place? What are you talking about? If you go down there, go down there, go down there, you go there and there's nothing there. Because it's come from an unseen realm. The Word of God is not made, these worlds were not made from this seen realm. Isn't that what Hebrew says? So it's come from an unseen realm into the seen realm, but it must be heard because it's coming from another realm, Correct. When it's hit through revelation, you have knowledge, you have conviction, you have assurance. You're no longer wavering. You're no longer tottering. 
you're no longer anxious and worried over time. Why? Because you've got the word, Jesus Christ, being formed within you. And he's greater than all things because all things have come through him, for him, in him. You've got all of creation being formed within you. Who can take you out? Who's greater than you? Christ in me, the hope of glory, is greater than anything man can throw at me. The church Jesus Christ is building. The gates of Hades do not overpower, which means my flesh, the world, the demonic have no show at this guy. What about you? And the only way into that is contrite and humble in heart. That's the only way in, is to fall upon that rock. Fall upon love, being demolished into a thousand pieces, and then let him put you back together again through himself. And he goes, now live. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yet I fully understand and appreciate how horrible that can be while I'm still trying to live and I'm still trying to try and control and I want to be the number one in my life. It's horrible to that person, that heart, because you can't have both, guys. You can't have both. You may want both, but you can't have both. It's one or the other. But you have a choice. And so, God, I just thank you that you give us this beautiful choice and that you as our Lord, Savior, Father, Groom, healer, provider, source, resource, that you even give us a choice. You're incredible. You're majestic. You're holy. You're pure. You're righteous. There's no one like you. No one good. There's only one who's good. Do you know him? He knows you. But do you know him? He wants to walk with you. He wants you to be with him and walk with him and live for him, no longer you. He wants you and I to be controlled by love, no longer controlled by self. He wants to share with us the riches of his heart, but he won't share it with anybody. He's truly seeking true worshipers who seek him. And then he gives a command to seek him. So where God's seeking and the worshiper seeks, they find one another. They collide with one another because they're both seeking the same thing. He loves, so He gave. When we love, we give. When we love, we lay our lives down. When we receive love, it's fully possible to now love and to live and have life. But outside of that, it's not. I don't know what that means for you today. I don't know what your response is to be. That's between you and God. I do know the life that's on the other side of a godly response, though. The waiting to be filled with a reality that I haven't yet been filled with. The knowing that I didn't know that creates an understanding that I'm now living from because of His grace, because He saw a thirsty, hungry, desperate. You know, you go to third world countries and you see people who are starving 
they are beyond skinny. Like you see their ribs, you see it on TV, but when you go there and you see children and adults who should be bigger, they are starving for food. Like it doesn't matter what you could give them, they'd eat it. That's a physical typology of what we are to be in the spirit. Starving for food. Hungry, thirsty for Christ. Full and overflowing. Because just like the natural child that has never had a meal for a month and has put a meal in front of them, just scoffs it because they're so hungry. What is it when the Word of God is spoken or when it's before us are we hungry and thirsty or are we so full of stuff and natural food that we don't even have a thirst or a hunger see the desire the desperation that's required so however that is for you as we just offer up this praise to God let it be what it will be for you Let it be, let it be. Let it be, let it be. For you are love and you are life. I'll let it be, let it be. Let it be, let it be. From the inside I cry out. Let it be, let it be. I need you, Lord. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Let it be, let it be. So open my eyes and open my ears. Let it be, let it be. Let it be, let it be. Open my heart, Lord, and open my mind, Lord. I'm here for you. So let it be, let it be. Just open my heart, Lord, and open my mind, Lord. I need your love. So let it be, let it be. Father, I thank you that you are so faithful. You are faithful to do what you say you will do. You are not a liar and you do not change your mind. And so you're so patient waiting for a people group called your children, the church, to come and to stay and to learn what it is to know you through your way to put all things aside and just come with a purity of heart a simple heart the heart of a child and to bow down and kneel before the king of kings 
the lover of one's soul, the redeemer of one's entire being. And just be honest and confess before you where we are really at and what we really want and who we really want to become. Without any fear, (laughs) no condemnation or guilt, That is not of God. God does not give you a spirit of fear. That's the demonic and so that's your flesh. So if you feel that, you've got to bind that up and cast that out because that is coming against you for what God has for you. But if you don't take authority over it, that feeling will grow and that mindset will start to take root and you'll tell yourself you're not worthy when God tells you you are worthy. You'll say you're not accepted when God has said you are accepted. You are loved. You are chosen. You are my begotten. I have betrothed you to be the commonwealth of Israel. So hear the word of the Lord. Believe the word of the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord. Accept the word of the Lord. So the word of heaven goes to work in your heart.